politics, power, and the people. From Washington, D.C., this is The Week on the Hill. Why would the Democrats sit back and say, just raise it with no discussion? Nobody else can do that, and I don't think the American people want that. It is something that should be done without conditions. We should not be negotiating around it. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre illustrating the stalemate over the issue of raising the debt ceiling. I'm WTOP's Mitchell Miller, and the U.S. hit the debt limit this week. But Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said what she calls extraordinary measures have been put into place so that the United States doesn't default on its debt for now. But she's warned Speaker McCarthy and Congress that the debt ceiling could be exceeded in the coming months, likely in early June, if Congress doesn't take action. McCarthy, in an effort to secure the speakership with the hard right of his conference, pledged to push for spending cuts in talks with the White House. In exchange, GOP lawmakers say they could then go along with raising the debt limit, which is now $31.4 trillion. How could you do this to a future generation that in anything we do, why wouldn't we sit down and talk, especially with something as serious as debt, but as serious as a debt limit, why would you want to wait till the end? But the White House and Democrats counter that Congress already approved the money that makes up the debt limit. They argue that if Republicans want to have discussions about future spending, they should focus on what's ahead. We are talking about uh, the, the full faith and credit uh, of our country. The precedent has been for both parties to come together and to get this done. But at least there's some breathing space before June. Still, economic experts have warned that if uncertainty builds closer to the deadline, that could cause market jitters, potentially affecting Americans' investment portfolios. And a default could tip the U.S. into a recession with myriad other economic impacts. Late Friday, there was some movement involving McCarthy and the White House. McCarthy confirmed he had accepted an invitation from President Biden to meet and discuss a solution to addressing the debt ceiling. The Senate's top Republican, Mitch McConnell, still believes the issue will be avoided as it has in the past. Periodically, the debt ceiling has to be lifted, and uh, it's always a rather contentious effort. In the end, I think the important thing to remember is that America must never default. I would not be concerned about a financial crisis. The Senate, meanwhile, is about to return into session, and on Friday, Democrats were happy to learn that Virginia Senator Tim Kaine has decided to run for re-election in 2024. I have been really grappling with what to do with respect to my time in the Senate, and I'm very happy to announce that I'm going to run for a third term in the Senate. Kaine easily won his last election in 2018 and is 64, which is the average age of a senator. So why was he grappling with whether to run again? He's been in public service for nearly three decades, but he's also been open about the fact that he's had long-haul COVID. And he noted to reporters in Richmond that running for Senate is essentially an eight-year commitment. A Senate term is two years of campaigning and then six years of serving, and uh, you got to really approach it carefully. Ultimately, Kane decided he'll seek another term. I got to be honest and look in the mirror and say, you know, have I done everything I wanted to get done? And the answer is, I, I haven't. Kane's seat is considered relatively safe, unlike many of the other Democratic seats that dot the political landscape for 2024. Democrats will be on the defensive, trying to hold on to 23 seats, while Republicans only need to defend 11. In Arizona, Senator Kirsten Sinema is now an independent, and she's expected to face opposition from Democratic Congressman Ruben Gallego. Former Republican candidate for Governor Kerry Lake is also considering a run for Senate in Arizona, as well as Blake Masters, the GOP nominee who lost his race to Arizona 
Indiana Senator Mark Kelly in the midterms. Meanwhile, in Michigan, longtime Democratic Senator Debbie Stabenow has said she won't seek re-election, and Republicans have their eyes on several other possible pickups, including in Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Democrats currently only have a 51-49 margin in the Senate, so the playing field clearly favors Republicans next year. A House Republican's political future, however, does not look as bright. New York Congressman George Santos continues to be a punchline for late-night comics like Stephen Colbert as more and more troubling stories about him become public. It's a day of the week, and you know what that means. We have found out more lies about Republican Congressman George Santos, also known as Anthony DeVolder, also known as Anthony Zabrowski, also known as George DeVolder. Now, that's too many names for one person, but just enough for one law firm. On a more serious note, Santos has denied a military veteran's account that Santos took money from a GoFundMe effort that was supposed to go to his dying dog. Also this week, it was determined through government documents that the congressman's mother, who he said was in one of the World Trade Center towers during the attack on 9-11, was actually living in Brazil at the time of the attack. He has also denied reports that he dressed up as a drag queen in Brazil. More serious for Santos, however, are matters related to his financial background. The New York Times reported on Friday that an investor who says he lost more than $600,000 to a company that Santos once worked for, Harbor City Capital, has told the Securities and Exchange Commission that Santos influenced his decision to provide the money. Santos reportedly claimed to have raised $100 million for Harbor City, a Florida-based company that's been accused of operating a pond scheme. Legal experts tell the Times that Santos could face charges of security fraud if it's found that he lured investors through false statements. Santos continues to say he has no intention of resigning his seat in Congress, and this week he was given assignments on two House panels. One of them is the Small Business Committee. I'm WTOP's Mitchell Miller, and this is The Week on the Hill. 